came to America when he was six months old. He started as a stock boy at the grocery store. Eventually, he owned it. He turned it into the biggest grocery store chain in New York City. He now owns a real estate company worth over $2 billion. He ran for mayor of New York City. He almost won. You can't make this story up. This is the Cats Roundtable with John Katsimatidis. Everywhere around the world, they come into America. Every time that flag's unfurled, they come into America. Good morning, America. This is the Cats Roundtable. John Katsimatidis here. The balloon is down. Now the question is going to be, why did they not shoot it down among the Pacific Ocean before it went over the U.S. bases and maybe got information that we didn't want them to have? And they waited till after the Atlantic Ocean. Stay tuned. You'll get the truth someday. With us today is Dr. William J. Parker. And uh, William Parker is a longtime contributor to this show. Uh, he was in the United States Navy for quite a while. Uh, he served as CEO of the East-West Institute and uh, also CEO of the Parker Maritime Technologies. And one smart guy, uh, Dr. Parker, we're in a mess right now. There's so many things happening all over the world. Where would you like to start? Well, I thought we'd start with this uh, balloon hovering over uh, the continental United States uh, sent to us by our friends, uh, the Chinese, if that's okay. That is fine. Now tell us about it. Well, you know, first of all, if you go back and, and, and think, one of our first conversations we had uh, before uh, the swearing in of the current administration was that we thought that this uh, administration will be tested like no other. And in fact, that's what we're seeing right now uh, in the past 12 months. This balloon um, is about the size of three buses. It has a lot of technical capability at a very minimum if it doesn't have any weaponization capability to include imagery, to include uh, weather assessments, to include communication intercepts of cell phones, emails, and other communications. The bottom line is it can be used to very, very specifically uh, target uh, sites that it's hovering over and looking at to be used for intercontinental ballistic missile uh, attacks or other kinds of attacks to include cyber attacks. So it is a major threat to the United States. Now, it looks like this balloon is maneuverable because how else can it get in, into the middle of on top of a uh, U.S. Uh, Army base or Air Force base? Well, you're absolutely right. Uh, it, it, it is uh, something that can be... Uh, uh, that can be adjusted so they can hover over specific space. So it's just not following the airstreams. Uh, so the original statements by the Chinese that it was something that just escaped their airspace and happens to have blown over ours is nonsense. Um, this is used specifically for this type of high altitude uh, spying. We need to go up, capture the thing, bring it back down, prove to the world that it is in fact a spy satellite and have the capabilities and show those capabilities of what it had so that we can counter it in the future. Well, I agree with you 110%. Uh, one of my friends uh, that you probably know out of Washington uh, said uh, he put on his Facebook uh, that we should shoot it down. And guess what? Facebook removed it from his website. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's that goes beyond. My first reaction was to shoot it down, but I think your suggestion of capturing it, if we're capable of doing it, is even better that way we find out what the heck is it. 
I don't want to, I don't want to capture something that I can take advantage of. I want to bring this down, show it to the world. And besides that, I want to get all the technical data out of it. I can remember when our EP three had a collision with the Chinese fighter years ago, they brought that thing down, forced it to land and they took it apart and mailed it back to us later. We need to do the exact same thing right now is take that thing apart and learn from it and demonstrate to the rest of the world what this actually is, a spy and targeting satellite. Now, uh, Secretary Blinken, I understand uh, that on Friday, it seemed like he's canceling his trip to China. Uh, What say you about that? Well, what say I is that we should not be distracted from the bigger picture. I mean, the bigger picture here is Taiwan, the economic issues, the economic espionage, the spying, uh, Ukraine and the parts of that that China have played, and the list goes on. I don't think we should be distracted from those. And the Chinese, every time before there's a major uh, conver- there's a major uh, meeting like this, they tend to have some kind of distractive uh, event going on, and so this is consistent with that. So we should go ahead, go to the meeting, and say, you know what, we took your we took your uh, balloon, we've got it, we're taking it apart. We're not going to talk about that right now. We're going to talk about the issues at hand here. And then when we finish assessing the balloon, we'll probably mail it back to you like you did our EP3. But before we do that, we're going to uh, we're going to talk about these other issues that are at hand here because they're big. Understood. Uh, What else would you like to tell the American people? Well, I'll tell you, when I when I look back at the world uh, uh, today, I see that in the past year, almost 100 missiles were uh, tested by the North Koreans. I think we can we need to continue to pay a very close attention to that. We ran out of Afghanistan in the debacle after having a lot of great successes in Afghanistan due to the soldiers, sailors, airmen and Marines that served so much time there and other agencies. Uh, and, and so they are growing terrorist organizations at a rapid rate. That rapid growth of terrorists within Afghanistan, combined with a very porous border uh, that we have on our southern border right now, is a major threat to us. And we have got to get the border fixed. The wall is there. All you got to do is stand it up and install it and then get the people there. There's a lot of good people that want to come into the United States. We need to bring those good people in, but we need to use the process in place to do that and not just allow people to come across the border with whatever they want. Uh, understood. Uh, well, thank you, uh, uh, Bill uh, Parker, and thank you for your service to our country. And by you speaking out, it continues your service to, to our country, and thank you so much. Thank you, sir, and uh, thank you for the, the great show that you put on every day. Gordon Chang, what is your view? What what the heck is going on? Well, China is not just on the front page. China is in our country with that surveillance balloon that uh, was tracked from Canada into the U.S. Um, It hung around uh, an Air Force base in Montana where we have intercontinental ballistic missiles, and now it's heading east. Um, That balloon is not a, a weather balloon that has gone off course it is maneuverable, and it is a surveillance craft. And so far, the Biden administration has just watched as this has occurred and not done very much. It's moved from China all the way over uh, Montana, uh, and uh, the Chinese said it was an accident, but it seems like it has pretty good maneuverability. Yes, this is no accident, um, because this balloon is maneuverable, 
and is carrying a payload of some sort, which the Pentagon won't talk about. Um, but clearly what they're trying to do is, first of all, gather intelligence. But I think more important, um, they are trying to see the reactions of the United States to protecting its airspace. Um, because they couldn't do that with the satellite, John. Um, but they certainly can do that with this balloon. And so they're seeing how we react um, to its passage across our country. It is controllable because I think they they picked it. In, in, how else could it be an accident, accident to be over one of our Air Force bases? Right. And also, this is not the first one. Um, there have been a series of these we have learned in the last day um, that um, have gone unreported. This is the first one we've known about. So um, there there were um, couldn't have been a series of accidents. And the Biden administration should have been better prepared to deal with this because this is not the first time they've had to confront this. Uh, understood. Now, uh, in addition, the Chinese are doing other things. Uh, I understand uh, that uh, Americans have moved into the Philippines in larger force. Are they expecting a possible conflict in the Philippines? Well, there already is, John, um, because Beijing has been engaged in very provocative activities around Second Thomas Shoal and other features of the Philippines. Beijing claims them, but Beijing's claims are unsupportable. And really what it's been doing is using forceful tactics to dismember the Philippines. Um, the Philippines has had a troubled relationship, of course, with the United States. Um, we got turfed out of our two big bases, Subic and Clark, in 1991-1992. Um, but now um, Manila understands it needs America's protection. It, it, under the previous president, Rodrigo Duterte, the Philippines tried to cozy up to China, but that didn't work. And now under the new president, um, Ferdinand Marcos Jr., uh, they realize that they need to work very closely with the U.S. Our Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin was there recently. Um, got some basing rights. This is all moving in the right direction. So we got problems in Taiwan. We got problems in Philippines. We got problems with with uh, uh, fentanyl being supplied to the Mexicans on our borders. Uh, we got too many problems, uh, Gordon. Well, we certainly do, and a lot of them have uh, China behind it. So you mentioned fentanyl. Um, these Chinese fentanyl gangs could not operate without the support of the Communist Party because the Communist Party runs a total surveillance state. And also these fentanyl gangs launder their proceeds through the Chinese state banking system. So um, fentanyl is, is not a, a criminal act, um, law enforcement matter. This is a China matter. And we can go down the line with intellectual property theft, um, with all sorts of uh, pressure on our allies and friends in the region. This is just a broad-based Chinese assault on us. And I think that one of the things, going back to this balloon, is that China just doesn't respect the United States um, and thinks it can get away with this. And it's a very arrogant mentality. And, you know, they probably think that the Biden administration won't dare to oppose them. It doesn't matter what um, the, the, the correctness of the Chinese view that's completely irrelevant. What's relevant is the way China actually thinks, because that's going to motivate it to act. And it's acting very dangerously right now. Is there anything else that we should be worried about other than a few things that I mentioned? The thing that we need to be most worried about as Americans is not so much the Chinese, because we're a far stronger society than China. 
but it's the failure of our political system to defend us. Uh, as mentioned, uh, these balloon flights, have, in the series of them, and American leaders in the past have chosen not to defend us. And so, you know, the reason is that we're at such peril um, is because um, we have a political class that has failed to understand the nature of China's challenge. And, and the Chinese are viewing this as a vast weakness on the American side. Absolutely. Um, and it's not just the current president. It's most of his um, predecessors um, have failed to deal ad- adequately with China. Um, and that includes uh, Trump and Obama and Bush and Clinton. Um, so we have a series of real problems going back uh, decades. And the American people need to understand that, um, yes, the Chinese are aggressive, but we created the conditions for the Chinese to be aggressive. And we need new policies in Washington. My concern is that we, uh, the Chinese, are moving at warp speed on on every on every battleground on every situation, and we're moving with two hands tied behind our back because of of the woke culture. Yes, we're in a Model T, um, and they're in uh, the Starship Ferrari. Yeah, yeah, just about. Uh, well, Gordon Chang, uh, let's let's pray for the best and let's uh, check in every couple of days and see where the heck we are. And thank you for everything you do uh, to keep Americans informed. And uh, I won't forget your Twitter handle at Gordon G Chang uh, on Twitter and find out up to the minute what's going on. And thank you, Gordon. Well, thank you, John. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You're listening to a show that isn't about finding Republican or Democratic ideas. It's just focused on finding solutions. It's the Cats Roundtable. This month is Black History Month. And we at WABC, we celebrate it. And uh, with us today is Jania Butler, a leading uh, community person in the black community. Uh, And uh, uh, good morning, Jania. How are you? Good morning, Mr. Cats. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. Uh, tell me, uh, you you grew up uh, in the black community, and uh, you've run for office, uh, and uh, you're a leader. Uh, tell me, what? Uh, uh, how do you feel about uh, uh, Black uh, History Month, and uh, how do you think the black community has come along since Martin Luther King's days? Mm. So I I would say that I am part of Martin Luther King's dream. I grew up in um, actually grew up in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, which was a suburban middle white class neighborhood. And I was so curious about why my mom and dad didn't want me uh, to grow up in the black community that I ran to the black community to see what it was about and to really, you know, have that experience and so like I said I'm part of Martin Luther King's dream because we were able to move into a community that um, otherwise wouldn't have accepted us if it wasn't for Martin Luther King so so what I've been doing you know with my career I've worked on Rikers Island homeless services youth services and really tried to understand the black experience in the black agenda and what we need to do going forward so what I've done is kind of 
put out a blueprint on what needs to happen in the African-American community. What are the differences between the white and the African-American communities? And, you know, just basically what needs to happen as a group of people and what needs to happen is really strong economic development. There's so much talent and there's so many things going on in the African-American community that we don't get to see because it's because it's crowded. It's overcrowded by the crime and the things that are happening that most people report on. But if you look at the talent and the and the, you know, the creativity in the African-American community, it's out of this world. You know, I grew up in uh, Harlem uh, and I believe since Martin Luther King days, the, the black community has come a long way. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, you have a black mayor, you have a, a, a black president. You had one. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I think there's a, a larger I think I'll, I'll give you my opinion. Sure. Uh, 50 years ago, uh, people looked at you as either black or white. Mm-hmm. And I think today. There's a lot of people just look at you as a person or as a woman or and not necessarily uh, uh, pointing out uh, uh, your your race. And, uh, and, you know, when we hire employees at uh, WABC or any of our companies, mm-hmm. we only look at qualifications. Mm-hmm. We, mm-hmm. we don't care. Mm-hmm. Now, but let me uh, let me say something else. Then there's a lot of rules being put out by uh, Washington. Uh, and how do you feel about those? Well, see, I think there's been a lot of strides, but I think the problem for us in America is we've been here, you know, over 400 years in America, and we're still fighting for our rights to be looked at as a person. You know, Dr. King said, you know, his last campaign was, I am a man. Today, I've got to fight and say, I am a citizen, right? You know, and so Jesse Jackson said, I am somebody. And so there's a lot of things that have happened in this country that made African-Americans feel less than the country. And I think now what I say is I am a citizen. Right. And so what I need is for everybody to understand that we are citizens of the United States and we shouldn't have to fight for the equality as much work as as we put into this country at this point. And I think that's the one thing that people are missing. I think that the strides are there. But why do we have to have these strides? Strides, right? You know, why are the strides? Why couldn't we exist? You know, why are they calling us three fifths of a man years ago when it comes to, you know, Martin Luther King? And then today, you know, uh, there's some people that look at me and say, okay, this is a, a black woman who happens to be, you know, intellectual, who happens to be, you know, this and that. But there's also, there's still today people that look at me and say, that black woman and have a stereotype that goes along with that black woman. There's, there's, People even in my community and see now that's what's happening too. even in my community. My community is saying you shouldn't be a Republican because you're black. And so we still have to fight these things. And it's mental at this point. You know, these are mental breakdowns in our community that we have to now overcome because of the things that have happened in the past. And I don't think that people really understand that. part. Well, I've taken a position about I've been uh uh, a Democrat. Uh, mm-hmm. I've supported uh, Bill Clinton in a big way. Mm-hmm. It was a friend. Uh, and uh, I've been a Republican. The parties have made decisions on their own. Mm-hmm. And the extreme left or the extreme right in is no good. Right. 
And I'm the person right in the middle that says, I want common sense. I think I, I'm with you. I, I want to vote as an American. Mm -hmm. I want to vote as a New Yorker. Right. I don't want to vote because it's Democrats or Republicans, because there are some great Democrats and there are some great Republicans. And my biggest fear right now, uh, uh, growing up uh, in the Bill Clinton era and helping him, mm -hmm. is the Democratic Party has been taken over by uh, some... Uh, bad people and the, there's a lot of common sense democrats that don't have the courage to stand up against the not so smart uh socialist uh, democrats what say you on that but but look at what happens when you stand up like i happen to be somebody who's always kind of been an outcast no matter what matter where i was at and if i'm if i'm home in cherry hill new jersey i was the only black person in this or that if i'm in in the in my own black community they don't look at me the same as they look at other people because they say you know something's a little different about her right but and i think that that's where we need to be is those common sense those common sense americans we need we're the ones who need to step up but then what happens is because the media is controlled by these these strong left-wing democrats and everything like that they can crush you in two minutes and so you have to really have the courage to step up but when you step up you're out of office when you step up you know they they overshadow you and i go through a lot of that now look at the young lady that was killed in um New Jersey just now, the city councilwoman. She was a black Republican. What happened? You know, I, she was sitting in her car and somebody blew her head off while she's sitting in her car. And she was, you know, she's a city council black Republican. So I have to say that something probably, um, something probably was in that with that as well. Oh. Well, I, I hope to get down to the truth, but I want to thank you for coming on. Thank you. And uh, you uh, are a great lady. And I see great things happening to you someday. Thank you so much, Mr. Katz. I appreciate all your help. Thank you. Welcome back to the Katz Roundtable with John Katzmatidis. With us today is Professor Stephen Kotkin, and he is considered the, uh, one of the world experts on affairs going on in Russia. He's a historian, an academic, an author, uh, he's currently at the Hoover Institute, a senior fellow, and he was at Princeton for 33 years. Uh, good morning, Professor. How are you this Sunday morning? Excellent. And yourself? I am well. Uh, there's so many questions being asked about Russia. For I mean, it was considered a world power. And right now, people are almost laughing it's not really a world power, and uh, the, the army uh, has so many problems. The navy has problems. Uh, uh, you give us an update where you think uh, the real affairs of Russia is. What they're doing? You know, the Soviet Union collapsed thirty something years ago, and Russia went into massive decline. The Soviet collapse didn't stop. In 1991, even though the country disappeared, the collapse kept going through the 90s. Putin came along and he kind of arrested the collapse for a time. Uh, but the degradation continued and it's been revealed, as you suggested, in this criminal aggression against Ukraine. He's, he's degrading Russian power more than just about anybody 
has ever degraded Russian power. That's Putin. Unfortunately, it's coming at Ukraine's expense. The Ukrainians are fighting and dying as as we speak. And not only the Ukrainians are fighting and dying, uh, the people of Russia are fighting and dying. Uh, yeah. And uh, it, it, the people of both countries are suffering a great deal. What happened with all these Russian generals that were supposed to do the job and they weren't prepared? They were not prepared for war, and it seems like uh, uh, President Putin was not aware that the generals weren't prepared for war. None of them were prepared. They were all very cocky. They they thought this was going to be easy, a cakewalk. Ukrainians resisted. They've been very inspiring with their courage and their ingenuity and shocked all those Russian generals. Uh, but those guys are still there, and they're still running this criminal war. And Putin, obviously, is still in charge. The problem with this is, you're right, he's he's ruining two countries. One, he's trying to murder the people, that's Ukraine, and destroy their infrastructure, their hospitals and schools and energy grid. And the other, he's ruining by implicating them in this criminal enterprise. A lot of them have fleed, especially the young people, the IT savvy entrepreneurial young people they're living in armenia they're living in uh, kazakhstan kyrgyzstan turkey wherever they could go without a visa to try to start a new life or to wait out the war it's a terrible situation we've had more than a hundred thousand casualties deaths and seriously wounded on the ukrainian side more than that on the russian side those are the estimates and there's no end in sight now, there, there's been two points of opinion, uh, and I've said this before on the radio. Uh, mm-hmm. Former Secretary Kissinger said that they should, uh, uh, that we should not accept Russia's aggression and uh, we should not compromise and, and uh, push them out of the Ukraine. Uh, where um, uh, former NATO uh, uh, commander James Savides, says that uh, we, we should sit down and make a deal. What, what school of thought are you? Yeah, so uh, you can only make a deal with someone who wants to make a deal. So the better way out here is not necessarily a deal, because Putin's not ready to do a deal, but significantly more pressure on Putin until finally he's willing to stop the guns, have some type of armistice, no legal recognition of any Russian annexations if Ukraine cannot gain back all its territory, but an armistice to let the Ukrainians rebuild, let them join Europe, give them a security guarantee. In other words, let's win the peace, not only the war. I, uh, Professor, I agree with you uh, 100%. Now, you have some uh, new books. Tell tell, tell you. Tell our audience uh, the books that you have written and uh, have now. I have two volumes of a three-volume History of the World from Joseph Stalin's desk. And I'm in uh, about halfway through the third and final volume, which is on World War II, the Chinese Revolution and Mao, and the Cold War. So unfortunately, the history that I'm writing, a lot of it has taken place in the same territories, the same cities, the same towns, same villages as Putin's war in Ukraine. 
right now. In that case, it was a Nazi invasion of the Soviet Union, uh, but it was the same kind of murderous campaign against civilians. So I hope to continue working on that. I never thought I'd see that in real life. Uh, It was something that I spent reading in the archival documents and trying to make sense of it. And now I'm doing that in the history, and I'm also seeing it in the present. Professor, uh, thank you so much for coming on. What would you like to tell the audience? We've got, we got uh, 30 seconds left. Don't lose faith in U.S. leadership in the world in the West. Well, Professor Stephen Kotkin, thank you so much, and uh, God bless you, and uh, we'll catch up again real soon. My pleasure, John. With us today is Mario Economo, and uh, he a, was a banker uh, in uh, London, Zurich, and New York. And um, he reports to us every week on what the heck is going on in Europe. Uh, Mario Economo, uh, tell us what is going on. Yes, uh, good morning, uh, Cats Roundtable. There's a story which has broke in uh, one of the Swiss newspapers, and specifically that the head of the CIA was recently in Moscow in Russia discussing the possibility of exchanging 20% of Ukrainian territory for essentially a ceasefire, an end to the war. Both the U.S., however, and the Russians are denying this report and saying there's no truth to it. Uh, In another interesting story, the interior minister of Turkey, Mr. Soylu, has actually accused the U.S. ambassador there of planning a coup in Turkey. And he has warned the U.S., along with several other uh, ministers in Turkey, that the U.S. needs to steer clear of actually getting involved in Turkish domestic uh, affairs and politics. Uh, We also had another big story that came out of Europe, and that has to do with the ECB, the European Central Bank, and the fact that they increased interest rates. Uh, They increased them by 50 basis points, and they even announced that they will do a further 50 basis point increase in March, and they're considering a final one of 25 basis points in May. They're basically continuing to have serious problems in Europe with inflation, and specifically food price inflation. And I'm not sure that all these interest rates, what I mentioned last week, are actually going to be able to overcome this food price inflation. I anticipate there will be substantial food price inflation in Europe for the rest of this year and realistically, quite possibly, even for next year. What would you put the credibility at uh, on that Swiss story? Look, I will give you my personal opinion for what it's worth. Uh, President Putin and Russia will never return the Donbass. So the issue now is what I mentioned many, many months ago. uh, Does Ukraine want to lose more territory? The reality is on the ground, the situation for the Ukrainians is not good. I know many reports are saying that there are hundreds of thousands of Russian casualties and deaths. The reality is nobody knows. Nobody knows how many Russians are dying. Nobody knows how many Ukrainians are dying. We do know that the Ukrainians are in short supply of equipment because they keep asking for more and more equipment. In fact, to that effect... We know that the Germans have actually agreed to deliver now 88 Leopard 1 tanks. And we know that Qatar is actually considering buying 18 Leopard tanks from the Germans so that they can then send them to the Ukraine. We know that the U.S. is actually discussing and will most likely sell to the Ukrainians something called a ground-launched small-diameter bomb. That actually is, offers twice the range of what the former HIMARS missiles did, and the idea is to be able to hit the Russians further back, and specifically in their supply lines. 
Will these things work? The short answer is I don't think so. I think that the Russians are uh, preparing, and even uh, uh, President Zelensky himself has admitted that a very large offensive by the Russians is in the making. And the Russians, uh, again, the stories that were being told that the Russians are having a tough time finding recruits and uh, uh, boosting their army numbers, uh, from what I hear and what I'm reading, the Russians are currently training several hundred thousand men, and these men will be deployed to the Ukraine. These numbers are sta- staggering. They're a uh, large commitment of personnel to that region. I don't see President Putin moving away from it. I don't see President Putin backing down from a fight uh, in the Ukraine. There is one other interesting story. In fact, two interesting stories. The first is that a company in the U.S. by the name of General Atomics, which is a leading U.S. drone manufacturer, has offered to sell to the Ukraine for $1 two of its Reaper drones. Now, these are state-of-the-art machines. Uh, The company is waiting for approval from the U.S. However, uh, even though they're going to sell them for $1, they are asking for the Ukraine to pay approximately $10 million for basically delivery and deployment of this aircraft to the Ukraine. And then they are looking for an $8 million annual contract to, uh, for the Ukraine to pay for this company to uh, uh, basically maintain these machines for them. On their, on their end, the Russian companies are actually offering, some Russian companies are paying bonuses from sixty dollars to $160,000 for each destroyed tank armored personnel carrier Uh, that the Russians destroy on the Ukrainian side. So um, it's interesting how a lot of companies now are getting involved at the corporate level to actually assist either side in winning this war. Paying a bonus for destroying destroying, uh, each other's tanks. Yes, that's correct. Versus like what what happened in Israel uh, with uh, them, uh, the Palestinians, paying a bonus for people killing Israelis. Yes, uh, that's uh, that's uh, uh, the profit incentive seems to always work in just about every type of a situation, unfortunately. Um, one other thing I would like to point out about the United Kingdom and specifically one of their Trident nuclear submarines, uh, it's currently in dry dock for an overhaul and a maintenance. And they found that the previous group that had done the maintenance on this nuclear submarine uh, had actually superglued uh, seven bolts, or at least seven bolts, uh, which held an insulation in place for the coolant pipes, which prevent the nuclear reactor melting down in the submarine. Clearly, they're going to investigate in the UK what happened, but the reality is if our side, the Western side, is engaged in this type of shoddy work and maintenance, we have to really wonder if we're prepared on our end to actually uh, engage uh, the enemy, in this case, the Russians. Uh, and I think we all need to sit down and we need to figure out how to end this war sooner rather than later before we really have a substantial and major catastrophe on our hands. Mario, we're out of time, but thank you for your update, and we'll catch up again real soon. Thank you very much for having me on. Enjoy your day. Looking for a little common sense? You've found it. You're listening to the Cats Roundtable. We got the, the, the United States, one of the best economists in the country. Yep. We have with us Larry Kudlow, uh, number one in the Fox business and number one at WABC Radio. How are you, Larry? I'm good, John. Thank you. So, Larry, what do you make of these numbers? Were you surprised at how good this report was? Well, uh, yeah, I was surprised. I just want to say 
the story of the day is there's a Chinese spy balloon <laughs> hovering, yes. hovering over our nuclear missile defenses. It's a coincidence. And the, Biden, and the Biden administration doesn't have the balls to capture it and bring it down. About I mean, breaking news even, now, it's over Georgia, I understand. I mean, that is even more important than, I mean, I'm very glad jobs went up. But I just think this spy balloon is absolutely incredible. Yeah. Let's let Larry talk and let I mean, him tell just, us. Because you're smarter than us, I think. The Chinese, I don't, I don't think I'm smarter. <laughs> I'm just saying putting two and two together. We had a bunch of guests, national security guests on our show who, who do know a lot about this. The Chinese are trying to spoon this off as a civilian operation. First of all, there's no such thing as a civilian operation when it comes to balloons and aircraft. It's all run by the Chinese Communist Party, and they're saying it's a weather satellite. Nobody believes that. I mean, it went from the Aleutian Islands in Alaska, where there are also sensitive military bases. Now it's hovering over Montana. This is where our triad nuclear missiles are, okay? They're in silos below the ground. They're in uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana. Uh, I know Montana. My wife is from Montana. We were married in Montana. There isn't anybody in Montana. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying yeah, to get I mean, the intelligence. What's really going on? Yeah. I mean, uh, look, I mean, it's the most they have invaded our airspace. They are spying over our most sensitive military bases. It's an absolute outrage. I mean, I don't want to detract. I am glad that 517,000 people uh, got jobs in the month of January. I think that's terrific. Good. Excellent. Wages were up uh, modestly. Actually, wages are still behind the inflation rate, but it's a great number. I love it when more Americans work, and it just probably means the Federal Reserve is going to come in and have to be even tighter because the Fed hates jobs. Okay, but that's one situation. This spy situation is absolutely remarkable, and we have to do something about it. The whole world is watching. It is a gigantic embarrassment, and uh, the Defense Department won't say anything. The White House won't say anything, so they canceled uh, Tony Blinken's uh, uh, trip to China. Mm -hmm. That's not a response. This is a spy balloon over our nuclear triad defense system. This is what protects us uh, from incoming nuclear missiles, God forbid. To me, it's infuriating, and it speaks volumes about the problems we have with our national security. I mean, we knew it was coming because we were watching it over the Aleutian Islands in Alaska, where they started out. So, I mean, this to me is the worst thing I've seen in quite some time. But like I say, in Montana, Montana is such a wonderful place. When you're in central or eastern Montana, there is no speed limit. You could drive for hours and not see a human being. So I wouldn't worry about the debris falling on anybody. (laughs) Trust me on this. And the other thing is that, you know, these are silos below the ground. Above the ground, there's really not much like, you know, a few little places. There's some fence and barbed wire uh, where people go in and out. But they're trying. It's like, look, the Huawei telephone company, when before we pushed them out, 
those guys used to put little tiny, teensy tiny cameras on telephone poles right next to military bases in key spots in the United States. And then we threw them out finally. I mean, I sat through an FBI briefing for the National Security Council that was the most bone chilling thing. Nobody knew about that until they finally discovered it. And so properly, we threw them out. This also goes to the TikTok problem, okay? TikTok is a way of putting personal information into the hands of the Chinese communist government, and we have to throw them out of the country. China is our adversary. The days uh, 20 years ago when we thought we could do business with them fair and square are over. One of the greatest things Donald Trump, former President Trump, did was he blew the whistle on China. And the Bidens, by the way, have had moments when they were relatively tough on China. But lately, when Biden went to talk to Xi, he didn't mention, you know, about the COVID disease and the Chinese uh, involvement in that. We all agree. Three days from now. Larry Kudlow, we all agree. We're out of time. I'm going to be listening to you on WABCradio.com, 770 on your dial and on your iPhones on 77 WABC. Larry Kudlow on WABC's number one Saturday show from 10 o'clock to 1 o'clock on Saturdays. Thank you so much, Larry, and have a great weekend. With us today is Dr. Peter Michalos, and he's with us every week to tell us what can we do to stay alive longer. And I got a lot of money to spend, so I want to stay alive for a long time. Dr. Peter Michalos, give us the update. Well, today we're going to talk about a fascinating topic that is uh, being rediscovered. And there's an old 200-year-old phrase that says, you are what you eat. And based on the current uh, research on the gut microbiome and advanced genetic studies, we're learning more about what's happening in the gut. And some recent literature that just came out in the past year shows that we have something called small molecules in our bloodstream. And those small molecules are generated by basically what you eat. And it turns out that they studied and they found about 930 of these blood metabolites that basically come from our diet and what we eat. And it turns out that they all interact with various systems of our body from our brain to our kidneys, to our heart, to our blood vessel walls. These are live, you you describe molecules or the- Metabolites are chemicals. Metabolites are chemicals. Just like when our blood glucose, for example, is a is a, is a metabolite. Is it a life form, or is it a, no? Is it's it a, a chemical. Th- it's a chemical form. Think of it as a chemical switch and a chemical trigger. And some of it is actually food, and we use that as energy. For example, uh, if we break down uh, fat in our body and we generate ketones, we can live off of something called ketones. That's what the ketogenic diet is versus glucose. When we don't eat and we fast for two or three days, then we start going after and breaking down our belly fat, which is our refrigerator, and we start chewing away at it, and we produce ketones, and our brain actually can live off of ketones. But we've identified 930 of these uh, blood metabolites, and they found that uh, this activity is independent of our genetics. So that's why we're talking about you are what you eat and what the precision medicine is a targeted therapies in the future of uh, precision medicine is analyzing our gut microbiome and then through dietary probiotic 
and prebiotic and other lifestyle interventions. We're going to target many diseases and uh, try to find, uh, you know, basically targeted therapies for things like, uh, especially inflammatory bowel diseases, which some recent uh, research that they've been finding out. And we're finding things out like plant-based fiber and fermented foods have a positive impact on our immune status as adults. Things like yogurt, sauerkraut, kefir, kombucha uh, are turning out that these fermented uh, things, that they, they feed the good bacteria in our intestine, and they actually boost immunity. So that's why things like a healthy Mediterranean diet with olive oil and some of these fermented well, foods. Doctor, let, let's go to yogurt. Now, yogurt is made from a dairy product that, that uh, a lot of us are saying we're off of dairy products. But as me and you have had discussions, there's two dairy products that, uh, yogurt that's made from goat cheese, and for some reason, goat cheese is healthy for us versus um, uh, cow, cow cheese or cow milk that yogurt is made from. Can you give us a little bit of explanation yeah. on that? Yeah, well, absolutely. It's how it's made and how it's produced and how it's digested. For example, you and I go to a place sometimes that has the sheep milk yogurt that is uh, with animals that are fed on grass and not grains. And one of the things that happens is that when they say grass-fed beef, the reason is because when beef is fed with grains, you get more of the bad omega-6s versus the good omega-3s. When something is grass-fed, you have different, uh, the animal is what it eats too. And then when we eat the animal, we eat some of the content. So when you eat a uh, sheep's milk yogurt that is from grass-fed and hasn't had hormones, when it enters our gut, it's seen differently and it is healthier and you get less digestive upset. And many of the modern yogurts, if you look at the ingredients, the way they make them taste good is they load them up with sugar versus a real, a real Greek yogurt, for example, won't have any added sugar. And some of them are made with organic milks with uh, cows that are fed uh, grass fed versus having grain. The secret, without saying any brands of yogurt, uh, is is really organic uh, yogurt made with organic milk or goat's milk from Europe, right? Right. You want to look for things that are from grass-fed. That's the bottom line, whether it's meat or milk. And basically, a healthy Mediterranean diet with olive oil and some fermented food, they found that increases the diversity of the gut when they check blood tests like the mark, inflammatory markers like C-reactive protein, sedimentation rate, homocysteine, they found that people uh, who had those types of diets, it reduced the inflammatory markers. So basically things like inflammatory bowel disease and Crohn's disease treatments are being worked on to try to get these pro-anti-inflammatory foods to help things like irritable uh, bowel disease. They even some fascinating research that's coming out now that probiotics will even target obesity. A newly discovered um, disonobacter well beyond seems to counteract obesity. So imagine being able to take a probiotic that helps steer your gut and make those metabolite molecules we talk about to reduce obesity. They even found one that helps reduce glucose and may help diabetics called 
Bifidobacteria longum, and that's also being researched. And there's another disease that people get sometimes when they take too many antibiotics called C. diff. And basically, when you your bowel gets inflamed, it doesn't reabsorb water, so you get a severe diarrhea that can kill you, and it's called C. diff. And they're even working on live probiotics, basically live organisms that they'll give people in pills to knock out those bad bacteria that are causing the bowel to be inflamed. So these are new things that are happening right now, which are very excited. And uh, I think just like they give you a blood pressure pill in the next five years, doctors will be doing a gut microbiome test, oral microbiome test, and prescribing specific probiotics to assist the other regular medications to help us get healthier and to boost our immunity and to help those people suffering from various diseases of the bowel. Me and you on this uh, this diet, we don't eat for 16 to 18 hours a day. Now, yes. somebody called into the station and asked me, well, if I take pills during those 16 to 18 hours, is the does your body recognize those pills as food? No, it does not. It's uh, it's anything that has glucose in it or anything that generates calories for food. That's how it works. If it's And before they start any diet, they should consult with their physicians. But we now know that when your gut doesn't have food in it, it then says, okay, now I can focus on going after cancer cells, going after dead and dying and cells. Black, and black coffee. Of- not not coffee with milk in it, not coffee with cream in it, not coffee with chemicals in it. Right, and also tea. You can also have tea, all the tea you want. The thing is you don't want to tell your brain that everything's great, there's plenty of food. You want your body to think that there's a little bit of a struggle. That's called hormesis. It's like, okay, get in and shape. And if I take there's vitamins, no right if I take vitamins, that's okay. There's no glucose. That's fine because there's no calories in the vitamins. Dr. Peter Mihalos, thank you, and uh, God bless you, and thank you for helping all our listeners live possibly a little bit longer. Thanks for always getting the truth out and keeping our audience healthy. Thank you for listening to the Cats Roundtable. Every Sunday morning, we'll bring you the latest in what's happening in our community, our country, and the world. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Have a nice Sunday.